Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago, where apparently there are some baseball games being played uh, at this time. I'm sure wherever you are in the country listening to this, you've heard uh, vaguely about the Chicago Cubs, and so it's kind of Cub hysteria here in the city, but it is fun and fun to watch, and so uh, we are swept up in it here in the city, but I hope that you are well wherever you are, too. We are coming to the end of a sermon series at our church called Worth, where we are exploring all kinds of things and what they are worth and what they're worth in God's eyes and in our own lives, too. So today's scripture will come, uh, two brief uh, passages will come from two different sources. One, the first one is from Leviticus 27, 30 through 32, and then the second passage will come from 1 Corinthians 16, chapter verses 1 through 3. So first, the passage from Leviticus. All tithes from the land, whether the seed from the ground or the fruit from the tree, are the Lord's. They are holy to the Lord. If persons wish to redeem any of their tithes, they must add one-fifth to them. All tithes of herd and flock, every tenth one that passes under the shepherd's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. And now the passage from 1 Corinthians. Now concerning the collection for the saints, you should follow the directions I gave to the churches of Galatia. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and say whatever extra you earn, so that collections need not be taken when I come. And when I arrive, I will send any whom you approve with letters to take your gift to Jerusalem. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So I'm recording this on October 28th, which means in three days, of course, a big night all across the country. It's Halloween, where we live here in the South Loop in Chicago. In our particular neighborhood, there is a swarm, a swarm of children who will come through our door. We will probably hand out around 500 pieces of candy, and we will always run out. We've lived here. This will be our eighth Halloween living here, and every single Halloween we run out and have to turn off the lights and tell those who ring our doorbell that we are no longer giving away candy. So it's a fun time of the year. It's a little hectic because of the busyness of where we are located, but certainly I'm sure many of you this time of the year think back to when you were children and the excitement that you felt of going door to door and trick-or-treating and getting loads of candy. I don't know about you, but I would, and I think my children are following in those footsteps, probably many of you did too, you would go home and empty out your bags to see all of the candy before you, and then maybe if you were a type A kind of kid, you might separate it into different categories. I would often separate it, just one pile of good candy and the other pile bad candy or candy that I didn't like or candy that I was probably happy to give away to whomever wanted it. So it wasn't necessarily very generous of me to think the the vast majority of candy here is stuff that I want. And then over here, candy maybe with coconut in it, uh, or at the time, some kind of nuts. Um, I would kind of set aside and say, and act like I was being very generous here. You take the candy that I would not have wanted in the first place. Well, I noted earlier, we're talking about worth And certainly when kids think about candy and they think in their own minds they have little prices perhaps in their own head or value that they place to certain kinds of candy, big 
nice candy bars are worth more than other little pieces of candy, maybe Jolly Ranchers or something like that, are worth less. And they're more than happy to give away the things that are worth less. But in this series, we've been talking uh, about different things and what they're worth. We talked the first week about what you and I are worth. Um, the Sunday I was gone, we talked about what money is worth. Last week, we talked about what is the faith of community, what is the church worth. And today, we then talk about, well, now what? After we have reflected and thought about what are these things worth in our lives, do we then just make this an intellectual exercise where we reflect that, yes, these things are worth a lot, and then just go on and live our lives? Or do we then reflect on what are we to do with this? How do we respond Are we called to be generous with these things that are worth a lot? Well, I thought it would be helpful for us to explore giving and also specifically this biblical notion of tithe or tithing. This is a word maybe when you think about church or maybe if you attend a church and it's one of those words, churchy words that sometimes gets thrown around sometimes, Uh, words, other words like repentance or narthex, or the Nicene Creed, or the doxology. These are churchy, very churchy words, and no one ever really stops to say, this is actually what it means. And let us do some reflection on that and how it influences and informs our faith. So we wanted to talk about this whole notion of tithing and think about, is this one of those words that really should just be left in the Bible and has no application to our lives today, or is this a word that we really need to reflect on and think about on how we might utilize it in our own faith? So in Leviticus, we read about tithes, tithes from the land, um, what the earth has produced, and people are called to give back some of what the earth has produced back to the church, or at the time, really back to God. So there's this notion that you give a tenth of what you reap from the land back to God. The tithing, this word tithing, uh, is mainly mentioned only in the Old Testament. Uh, One translation, or the main translation I use, the New Revised Standard Version, says that tithe or tithing is mentioned 26 times in the Old Testament. The first mention is in Genesis. So this passage, this is from Genesis 28, 22. Uh, Jacob, you may have heard of the character of Jacob, son of Abraham, and Genesis 28:22 tells us that Jacob promised a tenth of all that God had given him. So that the verse says, "And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you." This is the first first mention of giving some something back to God, one-tenth to God, this notion of tithing. So interestingly, tithing is not specifically mentioned in the New Testament. Jesus makes a passing reference to it in one story that he notes that some religious professionals do it, but it's not really um, mentioned as a practice per se. The book of Acts, which we read last week, the story of the beginnings of the first church and in the letters that Paul writes to these early churches, there's no specific mention of tithing or giving a tenth back. We read a little bit about giving. That's what we get from our passage from 1 Corinthians. Today, Paul talks about the collection for the saints. 
And it says that first day of every week, set aside some, say, whatever extra you earn so that collections need not be taken. So they're being called to set some money aside for the furthering of the expansion of the gospel, but nothing specifically about tithing in the New Testament. We read, or in some of my reading this week, early church um, leaders start talking about it really about the fourth century. And then in the history of the church, it was set to take this, or this notion of setting something aside and giving it to God. And so mostly in hearkening back to the Old Testament, the tithe, giving 10%, has been the, the measuring stick. But is this one of those things that we just kind of do and not think about? I mean, is this realistic in 2016 to give 10%? of what you have received from your salaries or however else you receive money to give 10% of that back to God. I think for most Americans, it would seem kind of crazy. I was reading an article this week in the Chronicle of Philanthropy. This is from an article last year that said Americans give about 3% of their income to charity. And they've been doing this for decades. There's never been a real change in the percentage of the uh, people, the percentage of their income that people give to charity. And kind of sadly, it says, the article said that the wealthiest Americans, and by wealthy Americans, they measure that those who earn 200000 or more per year, actually reduced the share of income they gave to charity by 4.6% from 2006 to 2012. But Americans who earn less than 100000 actually increased their giving by 4.5%. And so... But it stays right around that 3%. So sometimes when I talk to individuals about how we financially support the church and we talk about 10%, I think for some people, that's, that's just that's one of those Old Testament words that really has no meaning for us today. Well, before we explore that more, I think it's important for us to think first about the whole concept of, of, of ownership and really what is ours, There's a really great article I read by um, writer and environmental activist named Bill McKibben. McKibben. And he was talking about this notion of what he calls hyper-individualism in our country right now. And here's a quote from this article. It said, The great problem we deal with is what we call hyper-individualism. Schooled as we've been by the high consumer society in which we've come of age, we've taken the quite lovely American idea of individualism and ripped it entirely out of balance. McKibben goes on to cite a study that said that three-quarters of Americans don't know their next-door neighbor, and that the average American has half as many close friends as the average American of 50 years ago. I think certainly we probably see this in the political season right now, this sense of hyper-individualism, the sense of this is mine, I have earned it, and no one else is going to take it from my hands. And this seems to be ramping up every single year. And yet, if you read the Bible, nothing that we have is ours. It starts back from the beginning of Genesis. Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed the first humans, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every living thing. The story of Genesis is that this is God's creation, and then God says to the first humans, here, be stewards of what is mine. What would happen if all of us took Psalm 24.1 seriously? Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. 
Hear those words again. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The earth is the Lord and all that is in it. I don't know about you, friends, but all also means what you and I have. In doing readings about this, in a sense, some biblical writers that I've been taking a look at say to think about what you and I have as kind of a permanent loan from God. The houses we live in, the cars we drive, our bank accounts, the clothes we wear, all of this, if we take Psalm 24-1 seriously, is the Lord's. And we are called to use it, to rejoice in it, but to pay close attention that it is not really ours, which is such an anti-American idea, right? That we all earn, we work hard and we earn what we have. It is ours. It is our decision what to do with it. Well, not according to Psalm 24.1. So if we take that seriously and believe that all that we have is really God's, God gives this to us. God wants us to use it and, and live joyful lives, but to also reflect on if it is ours, God then calls us to give some of this back so that others can flourish too. This Sunday when I preach this sermon, I'm thinking about using this it's kind of an old illustration that I've read about for many years. I've never actually used it, but I'm tempted to use it this Sunday where the preacher or the person stands up and takes 10 apples and places them on the altar or on a table up front and essentially say that, imagine God has given us these 10 apples and God says, nine of them you can go crazy with. Eat them, put caramel on them, make them pies, applesauce, whatever it is, nine of these are all yours. The 10th one, though, I would love it if you'd give it back to me so that others can flourish and know about me, can start relationships with me. But the thing is, I think we're all tempted to take even that 10th apple and kind of dice it up a little bit. Like, God, I know you've given me the nine, and this is the one I have. And how about I'll, I'll just take, uh, I'll give you, I'll, I'll peel the peel here. And that, that is what I will give you. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And I believe that the notion of tithing is still true for us today. And if we have a sense of all that we have as God's, our first reaction should be gratitude, but also generosity. A few years ago, my son and I, I don't remember why we were doing this, but it might have been on a Saturday. I think we may have gone down into or up into the loop to pick up either my wife or my daughter, but we were early and we had some time. So we went into in Chicago on the corner of Randolph and Michigan. There's this really big building called the Chicago Cultural Center. And there are little art studios in there and lots of different things. People can use rooms. It's a beautiful building. And there's also a pretty large gathering space. It's kind of a, a lounge, as it were, for people who come to Chicago. And a wide variety of people use it. Tourists go to sit down and take a rest. There are people there who go in to read. Uh, there are people, when you look at them, you probably assume that they're homeless. And they go there to either stay warm or stay cool or also just to, to rest for a moment. So my son and I were... Uh, and my, it was probably a Saturday, and um, 
So I certainly did not have the best of clothes on. So my son and I were there, and we just happened to come on a day that some organization, I don't know if it was a church or what, had set up some food. And they had set up this food to give away to people who are homeless. And so I was kind of watching this, sitting there watching this, waiting with my son. And a person who was went through the line and I imagine was, was probably homeless. I'm judging that by what, by what he was wearing. And he came over to my son and I. And he offered us his food, this food that he had gone through line. And then I realized he thinks we're homeless. And I was taken aback by that. And I assured him, I said, no, really, we're, we're okay. We've already eaten. And he insisted at first. And finally, I convinced him that we, we didn't want his generosity, but instead he should, he should enjoy it. And so he went and then started eating. And it struck me that he was given this food and his first response was making sure that someone else was taken care of rather than consuming it himself. And that has always stuck with me. That whole notion of generosity, that whole notion for him was that I have been given this gift. And the way for me to show gratitude is to share it with others. I think this is the notion of tithing. It is not a sense where we are... It's not a tax on what we have. It is a way for us to show gratitude and to be generous. To say thank you for so much that God has given to us in our lives. And then to think, can we take a portion of that, a portion of that, and give that back to God? And not do so grudgingly, to not do so to to grumble as we do that, but in a sense to say God, this is really yours. All that I have comes from you. The least I can do is to give back to you too. So every year we talk about tithing, the biblical notion of tithing, this sense of giving a tenth back to God. And I certainly know that not everybody in our congregation, and maybe you listening, are at that place. You have debt that you have to take care of. You are working at a job that barely pays you enough to to make rent um, and to pay for food and everything else. And the whole notion of giving a tenth of what you of what you take home is pretty ridiculous. But what we do say is to start somewhere, to think about what you have and what you can give to God. And if that's one percent, start there and then think about gradually increasing that every year. We, my family, we give 10% every year because of a notion that we believe that what we have is from God. And it's probably, some of you may think, well, yeah, this is your job. (laughs) And so uh, your livelihood is dependent on generosity. And that's true. That's true. But I'd like to think I don't do it just so that I can keep an organization going. I don't do it just because it helps me to have a job and put a roof over my head. I'd, I'd like to think that I do it because it's an it's a whole notion of understanding that yeah that what i have is from god and that my first response should be generosity just like that man who offered us food that day when he barely had enough himself 
So friends, think about all that you have. Think about what it's worth. Think about what God is worth to you. And then pray, really pray about how can you give some of that back to God, just a portion, just a portion back to God. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised when you realize that giving actually is a wonderful form of gratitude and a way of receiving in addition to giving. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening. I know, especially for those of you who aren't connected to Urban Village, it may not necessarily be applicable to where you are. But I do hope, last week I put up on our Podbean page a link. If you don't have a faith community that you support, um, I'd invite you to think about supporting Urban Village. We are a church that, many of you know, is now more than seven years old. And we are self-sustaining financially. We get no money from a denomination. We get no money from outside any outside source. It is only through the giving of people who are part of Urban Village that helps us keep this ministry going. So if you don't give to another church, uh, I'd invite you to really think and pray about giving uh, some kind of donation, some kind of gift to, to us so we can keep this going, so I can keep doing these podcasts and that we can also have an impact, not just on Chicago, but beyond Chicago too. So hope that you uh, pray and think about that. So, friends, until next week, um, may God's blessings continue to be generous toward you and pray that you would be reflective on how you can be generous with the love and grace that you've been given to. My treasure.